So today is the final sermon in our Sermon on the Mount series that we've called Taking Jesus Seriously. Um, Ash Wednesday's this week, Easter comes early this year, but during the Lenten season, we're gonna move further into Matthew's gospel and look at the life of Jesus. Uh, who was he? What was his message? What were his priorities? What does it mean to follow him? Uh, and of course, the Sermon on the Mount has already helped us begin to answer those important questions. Jesus begins Matthew 7 by talking about judgment. He says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. And then he asks what I think is a profound question. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but fail to recognize the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. You see, with these words, Jesus has issued one of the greatest challenges of all time. Why do we focus on what's wrong with everybody else but we never take responsibility for our own actions. Why are we so good at blaming other people, but rarely do we step up and say, I'm sorry, that was my fault. I need to work on that. It takes humility and a determination to own your own shortcomings and to do better. I told you guys the staff has been reading a, a, a great book that's called How to Know a Person. And we've had some really good discussions on that book. Uh, David Brooks is making the case that as a society, we are not very good at getting to know each other well. We've become self-absorbed. And part of what he talks about in the book is how complicated we are as human beings. He says this, we humans are divided creatures. We have these primitive, powerful forces within us, passions such as lust and rage and fear and greed and ambition, and we've talked about some of these, right? But we also possess reason, which we can use to control, tame, and regulate the passions. The essential moral act in this model of character formation is self-mastery. It's exercising willpower so that you are the master of your passions and not their slave. In other words, we all have work to do when it comes to character and spiritual formation. That's why going to church matters. You don't just go to check the box. You come here to do some work on yourself and on the community. Jesus says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but fail to recognize the log in your own? I think the Lenten season is a great time to dig in and focus on this question. I've told you in recent weeks that at Woodmont, we've just condensed our core values as a church. We had eight, they were really good. Problem was nobody could remember them all, so now we have four. And so here they are. We're, we wanna be Christ-centered, 
Everything we do here should be centered on Jesus Christ and his teachings. That's what makes the church unique. We follow Jesus. We wanna have inspiring worship and worship matters because it brings us together. It causes us to move beyond self and worshiping regularly will make a difference in your life. We wanna have transforming groups. We want everybody in a group or class so you can grow deeper and develop friendships. And then we have impactful mission where we use our gifts to serve Nashville and to serve the world. Christ-centered, inspiring worship, transforming groups, impactful mission. You can remember that, right? They're all important. But here's my question for you today, and I've asked a couple of groups, including the staff, this week this. If you had to identify four core values for your own life, what would they be? What would you pick? Would it be authenticity, faith, hospitality, friendship, service, loyalty, love, joy, kindness? What would your four be? And are you living them to the best of your ability? In verse 12, Jesus gives us a perfect core value that all of us should try to live. We call it the golden rule. He says, in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can you imagine how different the world might be if people actually lived by that teaching? If people talk to other people the way that they want to be talked to? If people, people treated other people the way that they want to be treated? If people listened to each other the way that they want to be listened to? The world might change, which then begs the question, why don't we do that? What keeps us from doing that? Today I wanna to talk to you about the things that define your life. And the core value question is just one way to do that. Further along in Matthew seven, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. You see, all of us have many roles in life. For example, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a, a preacher and a pastor, a, a professor and an author, we all wear these hats at the same time, but who are we at our core? And when it's all said and done, what do we want to define our lives? That's an important question. Clayton Christensen was a professor at Harvard Business School. In fact, some of our members in this church had him for class when they were getting their MBA at Harvard, uh, at HBS but he taught business innovation. And he was also a Harvard alum, but this is what happened with him. He would go back when he was working, he'd go back to Cambridge for the reunions, 5, 10, 15, 20, and he noticed that all of his classmates were doing great, 
They were CEOs and CFOs. They were wealthy. They had powerful positions. They were doing great by the world's standards, but here's what was not great. Their personal life was in shambles. They were on their third and fourth marriage. Their kids wouldn't talk to them because they didn't respect them. Their conversations were shallow and superficial about their second and third homes and and, 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 and what stocks they were buying and where they were traveling. And so when Christensen went back to Harvard to teach, he made a decision. Yes, I'm gonna teach business innovation, but I'm also gonna teach some other things, the things that really matter. Do you have character? Do you have a strong marriage? Do you know your children and do they respect you? Are you a good person? Not a perfect person, but a good person. Do you tell the truth? Are you trustworthy? Are you selfish or do you give back? Jesus said, what will it profit them to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul or their life? And yet people do it all the time. They worship money. They become workaholics and neglect their family. They don't spend time with their spouse. They don't serve. They don't invest in friendships. And Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. Now the reality is life has many different stages. Nobody is dealing with the exact same stresses and pressures that they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Think about that in your own life. Every stage of life brings its own unique challenges. Remember Brooks's concept of the first and second mountain? Remember that metaphor? On the first mountain, he said, we get established, we grow up, we leave home, we get our education, we go out on our own, we start a career, we begin saving money, we look for somebody to marry, we start a family, we have children, uh, we get settled in a community like Nashville. The first mountain is an adventure, but it's hard work. It has many twists and turns. We try to discover who we are and what's most important to us in life. We establish ourselves. We build the container, right? But at some point, we get tired of the rat race or something very difficult happens. We go through a divorce. We lose a spouse. We get diagnosed with cancer or we just decide we want to change. And so we move to the second mountain. You might call it the second half of life, or it might be the last 10 years of your life. But it's on the second mountain that we really start looking for meaning and purpose. Many people will say, you know, I, I, I've got a lot to live with, but now I need something to live for. So faith and the spiritual life really begins to matter. Serving and giving back begins to matter. Learning and growing and developing deep friendships with the right kind of people really begins to matter. And usually it's on the second mountain that most people answer this question, what defines my life? And it's not my job. And it's not my bank account. And it's not my neighborhood or my country club or my status or the things I can buy. What do I want to be known for? And guess what? There's not just one answer to that question. 
You can have multiple answers to that question. It told you last week, we were talking about Jesus's teachings on money, that at some point you gotta push back on the superficiality and shallowness of the culture and get beneath the surface. Do you remember Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs? He was a psychologist who became famous back in 1943, the same year Woodmont was started, by the way, when he, he said, here, we basically have five levels of needs as human beings. Here they are, physiological needs, air, water, food, clothing, shelter. Second, you go to safety needs. Safety includes physical, emotional, environmental safety and protection, job security, financial security, protection from, from uh, harm. Third is social needs. And social needs include the need for love, affection, care, belonging, friendship. Uh, it's our basic need for interaction with each other because we are social creatures. Then he said you got esteem needs. Esteem needs are in two categories, internal esteem needs and external esteem needs. But this is self-respect, confidence, competence, recognition, power, status, attention, the things that come from other people. And then ultimately he says you have self-actualization needs. That's at the point at the top of the pyramid. And this includes the urge to become what you are capable of becoming and what you have the potential to become. So it's the need for growth and self-contentment. It also is the need to really live a life that gives you meaning and purpose. And we never actually fulfill those. We're always working on that, by the way. I would say that once we move beyond the bottom two levels, physiological needs and safety needs, then we are constantly searching and seeking meaning and purpose in our lives, both internally and externally. And honestly, I don't think that that ever stops. And so as Christians, we have to ask the question, how does Jesus help us answer the question? How does Jesus help us find meaning and purpose that we're looking for? How does Jesus challenge us and inspire us to reach our potential, whatever that is? Because he does give us answers to these questions, but we have to listen. We have to pay attention to his teachings. You can be in church and you can miss it. Now I wanna come back to the question I asked you. What are the four core values that you would pick for your life? There's pens and paper in the pews, write them down or write them in your phone. No Super Bowl bets, write these down in your phone. What are your four? I'll answer it so you can think about it because I've thought about it this week. The first one is I want to be a Christ follower. Now notice I didn't just say I want to be a Christian because not all Christians are, 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 are Christ followers, meaning they don't take Jesus and his teaching seriously. Being a Christ follower means that we have to study, wrestle, and be challenged by Jesus' words. Love God, love neighbor. Take up your cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, first you have to lose it. And I also think being a Christ follower means you got to try to the best of your ability to live and embody the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, do we always deliver on these things? No. But we have to keep trying. We are sinful. We are broken but we can always do better. We can always try again. 
Secondly, for me, I want to be authentic. Meaning, I don't want to be one person over here and another person over here. Too many people in our culture act differently around different groups of people. So nobody knows who they really are. Being authentic means you tell the truth and you try to be true to yourself. Nothing is worse than being two-faced. Stand by what you say. And if you can't, then don't say it. Being authentic does not mean that you have to share all your secrets. It just means that you are consistent. If you act differently around one group of people from another group of people, it will catch up to you, I promise. Authentic people are not perfect people, by the way. In fact, authentic people have the humility and the courage to face their own flaws, to say, I'm sorry, I messed that up. And guess what? People appreciate it. When you meet somebody who's authentic, you feel like you've known them for a long time. Third, I want to be relational. And this for me covers family and friends and work. I believe that the quality of our lives is directly tied to the quality of our relationships. You know, I said last Sunday that happiness and joy comes from between. The greatest times in life happen when we are with the people that we love. And the inverse is also true. The hardest times in life can come when we lose or we are hurt by the people that we love. But we are wired for connection. Some people need bigger families, like Farrell, six kids. I don't know how she does it. Some people need more friends. But relationships matter the most. So we have to invest in them and we have to work on them and not take them for granted. To have relationships, you have to have genuine interest in other people. And if you don't, it shows. And too many people don't make the effort and then they wonder why they feel all alone. Lastly, I wanna always keep searching for meaning. Life is too short to not stop and think about why we are here and what we're supposed to be doing. Too many people just live their lives, they go through the motions and they never ask this question. Jesus gives us meaning, but we have to listen. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. You could also say that the purpose of life is to get beyond self and to realize that it's only when you live and sacrifice for others that you experience real joy and peace. But that's not what our culture tells us we need to do. That's not what the Super Bowl commercials will tell you today that you need to do. They'll tell you what you deserve, what you need, what you should have. So what are your core values? Share them with your spouse or your family, your kids. What defines your life? It's never too late 
to answer or even change your answer to that question. Amen.